Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. Paul, it is episode 18 of season three, and we're back. We're back after what I think was the most exciting World Cup. Um, how about you? Take away uh, all of the sports washing. Uh, it was a great tournament. So take it for the, for the football and the, the drama on the field. I don't think it can be topped in the ones that I've watched. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just incredible. And joining us again tonight from Baltimore Wolves, Mr. Danny Paletti. How's it going, Danny? Good evening, good evening. Good good to see both of you. Our U.S. men, I feel like they just met expectations, right? So, I mean, solid. I, I still hope they could beat the Netherlands, but at least we're not England who tied the U.S. team, and then fell drastically short of expectations. Right, Paul? Somewhat. I think anything... <laughs> when you go backwards in a major tournament from, from finalists to going out in the quarters, uh, to me, it's a regression. And I really thought it opened up after that point in time to, to make the final, as Frank showed. So, for me... It's, I don't want to keep on banging on about it because nothing's going to change, but he just bottles the the big games, really, and we, we should have been beating that France team with the talent that we had at our disposal, and we didn't. So I think we're just going to have that age-old cycle of, of doing fairly well in these tournaments, but not really, not really looking like we're ever going to lift a trophy until he's gone. But then again, who's going to come in and do better. So we we plod on. Well, there was definitely a lot of exciting things that happened in the World Cup. Obviously, Morocco, great story, led by our old friend Roman Saiz. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Ronaldo just went napalm on everybody uh, and just trashed his legacy for all that. Um, Mbappe was incredible. And uh, Enzo Fernandez is your... <laughs> part of your world cup winning argentina team um and so fernandez new player young player of the tournament enzo fernandez should be in a wolves kit paul i am so 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 angry about this like i know ruben diaz has always been the one that i feel like got away but this one by far they had the deal and wouldn't let him finish out the season in Argentina, which turned out only to be an extra month because they got eliminated from the cup. Uh, do you get as angry as I do, Paul, when you're watching Enzo Fernandez just dominate for the best team in the world now? Not to that extent, because we don't know all of the story. And but those are the those are the occasions when I feel that there does need to be some transparency that you could have had all those reports of the the genuine interest and how a prospective deal fell through. If that was the case and someone took a, a marked step in their trajectory of becoming a world superstar, then you may have wanted to foresee that and actually come out and said, well, we had this deal lined up and for these reasons it fell through. So it, it, it's difficult, I think, to get a, an accurate picture of what goes on when these deals get get put together but it would have been a massive faux pas if it did come down to the basics of not being willing to wait it out and then to that extent 
some of those people in charge aren't here anymore. So aren't here anymore. Hmm. Did did, hmm. did did it genuinely have something to do with it? So who knows? Danny, am I just irrationally angry? <laughs> no, I think it's pretty rational. But uh, I console myself with a couple of points. Um, the first being essentially what Paul said is that we don't know what went on behind the scenes. Maybe it wasn't as close as we thought. Kind of the same with Ruben Diaz, where you know people think that he was ready to come to Wolves, and who knows what his attitude on that was. Uh, the other part that uh, makes me feel a bit better about it is that our current predicament in the league, um, as much as I'd love, obviously, to have Enzo Fernandez, he looks like an amazing player, uh, and that we were even in the running to get him stings a bit after that World Cup. But do we really think that a young kid playing in central midfield would have helped us uh, with the awful season that we've had so far? I mean it seems more likely that he would have gone down with us a bit. Uh, and it, it might've been even more painful for him. He could have gotten almost no playing time at the world cup based on that. So maybe he dodged a bullet. Yeah. I, I actually do think that last point there, Enzo Fernandez dodged a bullet, not coming to wolves. Unfortunately we're in the situation, but Hey, a lot of changes now. Lopetegui is in. He is uh, taking no prisoners. Uh, he has cleaned house. The big name, Scott Sellers. You're fired. You get out of <laughs> here. Paul, it seemed like this needed to happen probably two years ago, or at least one year ago. And now it's happened. Clean house. Do you like it? I do. It's a step in the right direction. I think it gives an idea that we've got a slightly different setup now that there's more uh responsibility directly on the manager's shoulders which i kind of like i think if he's got more control over transfers that generally wants these players that he's gonna um he's gonna ask for and he's gonna uh utilize his knowledge of if it's a, a switch to a more spanish focused or spanish experienced type of signing I think there's some positives there. It, it, it can often be cycles with any type of team and duration of a side. And, and maybe the Portuguese cycle ha is coming to somewhat of an end and we are going into a more Spanish-flavoured one. So I think it's a positive that um, that Celis is gone and, and there's obviously a change in the structure there now with Matt Hobbs leading it or been the figurehead for that side of things so um it's a i wouldn't say it's a big call but i definitely think it's uh a case of jeff she probably rolling the uh the last chance dice to to hold on to his job by making these types of changes and say well it wasn't on me mr gow i've got rid of the troublemakers here's the new structure going forward and it's <laughs> going to be beautiful so Let's just hope that uh, that is actually the case. But I think it's good in a way that it's not just being on the football side that um, there's been some change medical department-wise as well. So it does generally seem you've got someone that is taking a holistic approach to the club and obviously medical, fitness, conditioning, all of this is crucially important. These are the 
finite details that are that, that can win you one point or be the difference between one point and, and three when it comes to conditioning a last minute equalizes and getting on the end of that chance and putting it away. So I'm all for it. It builds the excitement. So let's see what it's all about. Danny, the the word on the street is that Lopetegui has said he wants as many as six new signings in January. He wants three by the beginning of the window, which I think is tremendous. At this point, is it safe to say that Wolves are in stay up at all costs? Absolutely. I mean, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I'll start with that. Um, you know, we've mm-hmm. heard that before. Bruno Lodge wanted several players in. Um, but I do think to Paul's point, you know, I think that there's a couple things at play. One is that, like you said, it's uh, it's do or die at this point. It's way more expensive to get relegated than it is to spend a bunch of money on Absolutely. six players. And then the other part of it is that this is the guy that they've wanted all along. And so whether those those firings needed to happen, you know, it the signs to me point to this is the guy they wanted all along and they wanted to shape uh, shape how they did things around his ideas. So now they have him. And so they're giving him at least a little bit more leeway, uh, certainly more than Bruno Lodge. And uh, you could argue, well, we'll see in January, but you could argue he might get even more leeway than than Nuno if this is the guy they truly wanted. And especially in the time since, you know, he's won the Europa League. They believe in him. Um, You can understand why they would want to put more trust in him to sort of remake not just the squad, but the club a little bit too. Um, So like I said, I'll believe it when I see it, when I see those six players holding wolf shirts. um, And I, you know, who knows if we're, are we talking about six players net here or, or gross? (laughs) And that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, And we'll get to some of those perhaps leaving. So Paul brought up, you know, bringing the Spanish style. Danny, we see sometimes these Spanish players come in or teams that have been playing in La Liga and they don't do well just because they're not used to the physical style. Do you think Lopetegui, if he is going to bring in a more Spanish mentality, that that can work in the EPL? I don't know. Um you know, I think that I think for a while Wolves have needed to cast a bit of a wider net. It's good to use the contacts that you have. And there's, you know, no question that we had strong contacts in Portugal. And also I think it's clear to see from from not just Wolves, but from other teams in the, the EPL as well, that there's a lot of value in the Portuguese league. You know, there's a lot of players who are very good um, who play um, Europa League or in some cases, Champions League, and who aren't going to cost an arm and a leg. But just like with focusing only on Spain, you're limiting yourself. There's there's the players will never get, you know, they're only going to go to Man City or only going to go to Chelsea. Like Enzo and, you know, Fernandez. Yeah. <laughs> and, but at least certainly like Ruben Diaz, you know, which is very mm-hmm. much the case with that one, you know. Um and so you need to be casting a wider net. I know that this has been said before, but I mean, just look at the way Brighton and Hovaldian uh, seem to do their recruitment. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's very much of a similar ethos of trying to find talented players for not terribly a lot of money um, and then being able to sell them on a profit. But 
you have to be able to cast a wider net if that's the case because you're you're limiting yourself already um so i'm happy if we're moving just further up the iberian peninsula i'd like us to move even further (laughs) and take a look at france and even germany i think there's a lot of value in the french leagues you see with like with Lille, you know, where our good friend Tim Weah is. Uh, also, <laughs> FC Mets, where Bubakar Traore came from. There, there's a lot of good yeah. players there who are not going to be terribly expensive and who could definitely improve Wolves. That's a great point about our, our boy Weah. We'll get to that. So, Paul, let's go over. I'm going to give you guys a name of somebody that's rumored, either coming or going, and you guys are going to give me the percentage that they will be in a Wolves kit on February 1st, okay? I feel like we'll start with an easy one and say uh, Matthias Cunha, the Brazilian striker from Atletico. Paul, where are the chances? 100%, 100% in January 1st, regardless of February. I think there's there's been too much uh, placed into it. And, and even to the extent of him, uh, Lopetegui actually speaking about him. So to me, that just says that it, it's a done deal. It's it's wrapped up and we may hear something possibly this week or over Christmas that is he, signed and ready to go on, on January the 1st. Yeah, and that's why I said I thought it was easy because he's already naming him by name too. Danny, what you think it's 100% as well? Not only is it 100%, but I'll go further and say that if they don't get him, if someone swoops in and gets him, it's going to be Mick Beal all over again. I mean, that was that, <laughs> it's that kind of blunder where you can't be name dropping this guy and then, and then all of a sudden he goes somewhere else. We can't go through that again. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm more excited about him than I was about Fabio. Do you guys feel the same way, Danny? I think it's a. Uh big ass to see if I'm excited about anything at this point with Wolves. I'm excited to see what <laughs> Jewel Lopetegui can do, but I'm also dreading, you know, we've had uh, the whole first half of the season and then, you know, a good bit before that with Bruno Lodge where it's been really tough to watch and it's uh, it's definitely ingrained a lot of pessimism in me. So I'm very excited about having another option who seems like he's been reasonably healthy for a while and hopefully can stay healthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, glad to see the World Cup break uh, help the Wolves fans' spirits. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fantastic. Well, okay, so I felt like that was an easy one. Philippe, who is also from Atletico, they kind of rumored about a package deal. Maybe not, though. Paul, percentage? I'd say like 40%. I think there's going to be a Obviously, it's going to be a essential defender arriving. And I think to, to Danny's point about suitability to the Prem, if they get someone from an overseas league, they want to be sure that he's got the skill set for such a crucial position to come in and, and fit right in straight away and, and perform because there's someone is going to come in and have to take up that position and galvanize the defense so is it him I, i'm not really sure I, I don't know his game enough but i think he's got the the pedigree that when he has been called upon in particular like 
big Champions League games. I think he came in was it either this season or last se- season against Man City and did well. It's having that profile of player that can do it. So it, it might be him, it might be someone else. I, I could see an arrival, um, but I wouldn't be solely uh, sold on that particular fella. How about you, Danny? Yeah, what would Paul say? 40%? Uh, yeah. I think that's about right. You know, I'd, I'd say 50-50. Um, I just think this is basically a replacement for Craig Dawson, who we missed out on uh, yeah, on mm-hmm. deadline day. I agree. Um, I think they're basically the same age. Um, so it's, you know, either going to be, it's either going to be Philippe or it's going to be some other similar player who's a uh, bit older, probably around 30 who's very experienced at center back. And, you know, I think if it were me, you know, I'd prefer someone who knows the, like, if that's the role they're going to come in and play, I'd rather someone like Craig Dawson who knows the league really well um, and can help battle. But, you know, uh, this guy, you know, you, you don't play for uh, for Atletico without having something about you. So that's probably good enough. If, if the point is just to battle, and Felipe uh, or Felipe is 33 years old. That's his age, which I'm okay. I, I feel like central defenders are the ones that age the best when it comes to the Premier League. Um, I'm not going to include uh, Yerson Mascaro and Con- Connor Ronan because I think those are done deals going off in loans. I think you guys would agree with that. So now let's get to the tricky names here. Raul. What is your percentage on Raul of being in a Wolves kit come February 1st, Paul? Ooh. I think I think I've got it. I've got an exclusive. I've got a genuine exclusive here because my oh, mom and shit. dad were out shopping on uh when did I speak to him? On Friday. And they went into uh, a garden center in Wolverhampton. And my mom nudged my dad and went, that's Raul Jimenez over there. And my dad is looking over at him thinking he's not, he's not. So my dad made a purpose to go out of the garden centre and then do a turn, circle, walk back in so he could walk past him. And it turned out that it was Raul and his girlfriend and his family doing some Christmas shopping. So my dad went up to him and said, hope you have a very Merry Christmas, Raul. And he said, oh, thank you, you too. So I'm sure my exclusive would be that if he was leaving, he would have told my dad that, thanks for saying that, but I'm I'm leaving. So you, you didn't have to. So I think he's staying based on interaction with Mr. LePage Sr. Ladies and gentlemen, whole lot of wolves, home of in the know, Paul LePage. Via my dad. <laughs> Via Mr. Sr. <laughs> I didn't know you were a junior, Paul. I may have to start calling you. Oh no, out. no, no! Just yeah, just what we say. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. No, That's no, one of those, of those English things. Yeah, none of the like, none of like Richard the Third or anything like that. Oh, I'm the I'm the original Paul. See, this stuff confuses me, Danny. Especially when I've been drinking like a triple old fashioned here coming on. Uh, <laughs> Danny, what is your percentage on Ravel? Man, with with Paul's news, maybe I have to up it a little bit. 
Also, also, if he's at a garden center, you know, he's clearly that's an investment, in isn't it? For a little that's bit, what I right? thought. He yeah. was like, if he was buying a fountain or something, it's like, or some trees. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that I think he's probably more likely to stay than leave. So maybe I put that at like eighty percent stays, um, but it could be contingent. You know, if they find a good deal in January, which is probably unlikely, but if they find a good deal in January for a true replacement for him, then maybe they say, all right, well, it's time. And, you know, you were probably going to leave in the summer anyway, and you probably have something lined up anyway. So, you know, like, I think that it could be more contingent than anything, uh, but I think he's more likely to stay than leave. I always thought Raul would be at Wolves as long as he wanted just for marketing reasons, but I think Wolves are now past the point where marketing matters. Right now, the number one priority is staying up. You know what? If it's no marketable players, but they stay up, they've got to be happy now. Marketing to Mexico, while it has its advantages financially, it does not have the advantages as much as staying. I actually think it's fit. I think it's 50-50, guys, and I'm bummed out. Um, And we'll talk Raul again a little bit later. Um, but Danny, what were you saying? Well, also L tree fans have uh bigger fish to fry than that. You know, I don't think that, I think that going forward for the next six months or if he stayed another season or something, you know, I, I don't know that Raul is the draw that he once was. And if you really wanted to increase market share in the U S and Mexico, I think you'd have to be looking at another player at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if Mexico has that player anymore to be honest maybe chucky maybe but i i don't even know the, the way they kind of who are on the fringes of the team who didn't get to go to the world cup who i think could be yeah. that person in a couple of years but yeah we'll talk about that in another episode danny i want another spreadsheet from you <laughs> i can't do an l tree <laughs> spreadsheet <laughs> too bad i already nominated you l tree <laughs> spreadsheet coming from danny paletti it's gonna be fantastic um okay guys Aaron Juan Basaka, possibly on loan with an option to buy at right back from Man United. Paul? I'm taking it. If it happened, I'd, I'd be good with the signing. Whether it is going to be happening, I'd be 50 50 at this case that I could see it as a position that they want to strengthen. Uh, is he the guy or is his name getting banded about that he will leave to someone in January? Is it going to be us or are we just being used to, to draw up interest from the likes of Palace or West Ham or uh, a London team? So I'm, I'm going 50-50 on that one. Danny? I, again, I think I'd go a little bit higher, maybe 70%. I think... Uh... I think that there's something going on at right back right now. And I can understand why anybody at the club would feel uh, a little bit nervous about going into the the back end of the season with just Johnny and Semedo. I think that Semedo can pick up his form and be a perfectly good option for the rest of the season. We've seen him play much better, but you're betting a lot on that. And I'm just worried that, I mean, Johnny's out injured currently, um, seemingly not long term, but you know, we just 
if we're relying on him and Nelson Semedo, you're basically relying on one and a half or like two, three quarters of a, of a, a right back. So I think, you know, Aaron Wambasaka is a perfectly good option. And if the financial part of it was right, then I don't really see why they wouldn't. My prediction, not only will this happen, but it'll happen by the middle of January. I think it'll happen sooner rather than later. And that's because I think the next person who I'm going to give you guys is on his way out. Nelson Semedo, Paul, February 1st, Nelson Semedo percentage. I don't think you get mentioned in a Johnny Phillips article if it's not legit. So he's gone. Mm -hmm. Whether there's some, I I think the... uh, the positions and the availability may have changed on the opposite side, but there was talk of him either last summer or the summer before to Atleti. So is there yeah. some deal lined up between those players? I'm not sure what their strength isn't right back anymore. So who knows, but he wouldn't have had his name that uh, that strongly mentioned if he, were, if he wasn't, I don't think. And that's a good point. Maybe you see Semedo and some cash heading out for uh Philippe and um Cunha. I don't know. Danny, you think Nelson Semedo February 1st is wearing the old golden black? Yeah, I think I'm with Paul on this one. I think maybe I'll go I'd go a little bit higher. You know, he just said he's gone, so I'd take that as a 0%, go <laughs> 20% or something. I think again it could be I bet that this this window there's a lot of contingencies. So I could see him being another contingency, not necessarily just with the the uh, links to Athleti and maybe we uh, do some kind of package deal. Those swap deals are so rare, but you know, yeah. like some, something that's all related to it. Or if it's related to us bringing in um, another player in that position, I could see. And I, I'd say that he's pretty likely. I think Lopetegui has looked and said, Semedo doesn't fit my style in Juan Basaka would. Um, I think Juan Basaka would be a much better defender on that right side. That's another move that has me excited. I don't know. Maybe it's just the long layoff. Uh, you know, maybe it's just the other aspect there though is you could be you could be swapping like for like, but getting a homegrown player. So that's gonna be important if you look if you got if you're gonna cast that net farther uh in foreign leagues and the players that um Lopetegui might want to bring in as his generals then the space got to be opened up uh, in, in the, the homegrown pool to, yeah. in order to bring them in. So switching out Samedo for one Bicasa, uh, one Bicasa, I think it, it'd be a good fit based on that as well. Yeah. The other thing I'll say about Juan Bissaka is that I think, you know, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of people say it's a terrible um, option, but I've seen some people be a little skeptical. And the only thing I'd say about that is that like, I think, he could very easily be a player kind of like Harry Maguire, where he's a player who maybe got too big of a move to too big of a team that had too many problems to shine. And, you know, I, I, uh, back when I was watching Premier League years ago, my friend, my, uh, my roommate back then was a Crystal Palace fan. So I watched Juan Bissaka there and, you know, he's a perfectly good player. And we all saw, Harry Maguire play with Lester, you know, like these are good players, but went into a messed up team dynamic. They obviously have their, their, uh, their weak points to their games, 
but just because you know he hasn't looked great in a lot of his appearances in man united you know there are a lot of good players who haven't looked good at man united in the last couple of years so yeah and i mean it's just it could be a style fit and man united just seems to get big names and throw them together and hope it works and it doesn't (laughs) um now let's talk about some of our guys, some more of our guys, along with Semedo. Uh Ruben Neves, February 1st. Is he wearing the captain's armband? I say yes. I think we've got him till at least the end of the season. Danny? I say 110% he's staying through January. Uh, didn't he just post today? about out of dark darkness cometh light this guy's all in on his instagram six hours ago <laughs> no one looks back everyone pushing and fighting for the same goal it's our chance boys the only chance we have to restart in the best way the way we deserve out of the darkness cometh light so there you go That's from the man himself so i'm gonna say a hundred percent but i'm gonna say it for a different reason i don't think he had a good world cup and I yeah. think his value went down. Uh, you looked after Portugal game, Portugal games, and P- the Portuguese fans were not happy with Neves. They were asking for Paulina to come in in his place. So I think the World Cup may have been one of those. Neves may have been one of those few players that the World Cup actually hurt him. Um, now you could argue Wolves' different style; it didn't fit him and i think that would be perfectly fine to argue that but um yeah that's i, I think that's the reason is now his value is a little bit down he can build it back up and i don't think you get rid of your captain when you're trying to stay up but we'll see um the next one adama paul i think chances are pretty high that he goes actually in the there's already been some Names mentioned, I think Napoli stood out of those. And I think it could be one of those deals that a team would like to secure him earlier than having the the opportunity of him slipping through the net and signing a pre-contract with someone. So I could see him leaving. I could see the Wolves being fairly happy that they will collect at least some type of fee for that um it, it's hard to tell but does he i don't think we've seen enough yet but does he genuinely fit into a lapatigi team so it could be the case that you just get a you get some type of uh some type of funds in for for the remaining six months of his contract that you wouldn't have got and w- would he have been on the bench anyway or starting fleetingly. So uh, I, th- I think we could see him depart. Danny? All right, this one might be the first one where I disagree with Paul. Uh-huh. Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a lock by any stretch. I think Paul's right. He certainly could go and Napoli seem like the destination, but um, I think he probably stays. Uh Maybe I'm just. This is me. This is you. Earlier, you sort saw the uh, pessimistic side of me, but here's here's the optimist. You know that that shot that they had of uh, Lopetegui talking to him uh, after the <laughs> Arsenal game, and just the body language since then. You know, he seemed 
so much happier. And maybe that's because he's on his way out. You know, maybe it's because he's he knows he's on to a new challenge that he's excited about. But um, but I think that I can see Lopetegui being a person who can um sort of put his arm around him. He's always seemed to be that kind of player who needs a real man manager to uh to motivate him. Uh not that he's you know ever been I don't think he's ever been like a lazy player. Um but you know he's he's seems to be a very emotional player and uh I could see Lopetegui being a reason that he sticks around through the end of the season. I think if the question is is he here you know at the end of the summer I think the chances are very low. You know, the the talks about, oh, maybe we'll have a good end of the season. He'll sign a new contract. I think that's pretty wide of the mark. But um, but I, I think he probably stays through January. Speaking of that video, I was going to address it. But since you brought up the video, I got to talk about it. And there was another video where he's talking to Nunes and stuff. Um, So the video where Lopetegui is talking to Adama. Lopetegui is a very handsy guy. Like, hopefully it's not Jeffrey Epstein handsy, but he definitely <laughs> oh, likes to likes to touch the faces. And, you know, I did laugh. He was patting on, oh, how's your shoulder, Nunez? And he's, like, <laughs> smacking it. But he's a very, like, I'm going to grab your face type deal. I don't know how I would feel with that. Maybe it's a Spanish thing. And that's why Adama's okay with it. Uh, Paul, how would you feel if Lopetegui came up to talk to you and just grabbed your face and was like patting it a little bit? I think I'd uh, <laughs> I'd feel quite uh, quite enamored to the man, especially if we were going from one extreme to the other. If Large was aloof or just gave minimal instructions and wanted it the the way that he wanted it i think if you've got that uh ability to to coax it out of a player i think i'd, I'd be okay with it danny admit it you thought the same thing i did when you saw that video didn't you <laughs> admit I it not, and i will not admit it <laughs> <laughs> i know you're lying you're lying but you, you see what i'm talking about now huh how would you Absolutely. feel Taggy comes up and he's just like grabbing your face and you know would how would you handle that yes sir if does he does he have any grandkids they're they're in line for a cheek pinching i'll tell you that oh a hundred percent those kids have got to go on with go in with balaclavas <laughs> when they go to his house for for christmas or whatever because their, their cheeks are gonna get pinched I could just like I, I I just figured it was a Spanish thing because Adama just you know it was it was fine. I couldn't imagine like an NFL coach coming up. To, <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, let me think of a good one here, like John Harbaugh coming up and just patting Lamar Jackson uh, on the like grabbing him and patting. Oh my God, that would be like Twitter uproar. <laughs> and Andy Reid looks like a cheap pincher though. I agree. Def- he is a definitely. mustache drawing guy. Yeah. So I could I could see him as a definitely he pinches his grandkids' cheeks. <laughs> that's that's good. Oh, ooh, we may have a new game for later. Who is the most likely to get their peach their cheeks pinched? Okay. Um I think Matthias Nunez, he's not going anywhere. I would say Potence isn't, but what about Huang Hee Chan, the hero for South Korea? Paul? It's it's going to be interesting, I think, with the World Cup guys and tomorrow night's game that will come on to that 
we, we generally don't know the the type of team that is is going to put out or the, the type of formation that he's really going to favour. And does all of a sudden Wang fit into it? So it seems like from the I did watch either of the uh, of of the warm up game, the practice games in Spain in in any great depth, but it seems there is a more pressing intent from the forward players which could suit Wang a little more but the the age-old um question from me on him is what is his best position and possibly the opposite of Neves in that he did have a good World Cup in that he caught the spotlight did mm-hmm. did someone see that in in a position that they could see him playing and suddenly he's become more of a, an asset to pursue. So it's a tricky one as far as Wang goes for me. You still didn't give a percentage. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm not letting you out of that. I'll sit on the fence then 50-50. <laughs> Danny? Actually, no, I think I that's think... good. 50-50 is I think good. No, I think, I think it's got to be more than that. I'm going to go 95% because I think that he is exactly the kind of player that they warn you about when they say, don't scout players at the world cup, <laughs> you know, yeah. because if, if a scout's sitting there watching him, they say, Oh, that's a great finish. Um, what a great moment for him. And then they go back and look at the last, <laughs> you know, the, the beginning of the season they say, well, what else does this guy do? Um, now the, that, that last 5% in that, uh, I think is the potential that, like you said, I think he could fit into what Lopetegui is going to try to do. And there are several games to play throughout January. And it's not completely inconceivable that Quang tears it up and people say, wow, this guy looked great at the World Cup and he looks great for this month of football <laughs> and we got to get him in our team. I don't think that's likely, but that's that's the one avenue I see to him going somewhere this this window. You asked what Huang Hee Chan uh, does best. I feel like it's he gets injured, but then comes out for another twenty more minutes and plays and makes that injury three times as bad. I feel like that's what he's <laughs> really good at doing. Um, and finally, I got one more. I will call this the Todd Dewitt special. You know where I'm going. Fabio Silva. Is he coming back, Paul? It'll cost money, but is he coming back? No, I think they will show some sense with it and let the kid just play for the rest of the season. I, even to the extent that I don't think they can, they, they can't really take the chance on him coming back and possibly taking up a, a squad place or even contending to start. They, they need guaranteed goals from somewhere. And I wouldn't say that Fabio offers those right at this minute. Danny? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the, the inverse of the, the Huang one. That's that's a 5% chance. I think it's not impossible. He's an option that we have. I My understanding is that his loan, there's no option to recall. There's but no recall, yeah. But... Obviously, you can get anything done with the right amount of money. So, right. but I think it would really have to be um, our last option. There are a couple reasons, which Paul alluded to. 
The first being, of course, that we need guaranteed goals, and we don't know that he can do that in the Premier League yet, even though he's had a decent season at Anderlecht so far. Uh, the the other being, again, just optics, kind of similar to some of the, the management stuff that we talked about earlier. I, I think it would look really bad to recall him and <laughs> and keep him largely on the bench or starting here and there, similar to the way that it w- went down with Morgan Gibbs-White previously. I think a lot of fans would be extremely skeptical of that kind of move and it would not go down well and probably not help us if we're dealing with a relegation fight. So for all those reasons, I think it's pretty unlikely that that's a realistic option for us and they're going to leave well enough alone. Wouldn't it be so wolves though, that they have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to bring back their own player? (laughs) (laughs) I I just feel like run up the tab I feel like that is Scott Sellers parting gift right there is that we'd have to pay like (laughs) 10 million pounds or something stupid just to bring Fabio back Um, I still say Fabio has played his last game in a Wolves kit that's just me Um, Paul Give me one wild card name out there that you think that we haven't talked about that you could see coming in. Oh, I I probably don't know it well enough to to think that there's a a, a nailed on signing, but I was interested in, in some of the reports towards the end of last week that Lopetegui is even casting an eye over the championship. So I think that's where I see that the the talk that there's possibly six incoming players mm-hmm. is legit in that you may be getting three that generally are either starters or challenging for a starting berth. Then you may get one or two that are, are squad fillers to the bench and those are where the championship players come in. So that's got that that's kind of where I'm looking at to to see that there could be some arrivals that potentially go under the radar. Okay, Danny, who is your player and why is it Yunus Musa? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. I uh, don't find it entirely likely. Um, this isn't, you know, really out of left field or anything because I've already mentioned him, but I, I think that there is still uh, some chance of, of Craig Dawson. I think mm-hmm. if we're looking at older experienced center backs, uh, I think I just saw something recently that, he could leave in January. It doesn't have to be to us, but you know, there, like you said, there are those, uh, those whisperings that we could be looking into the domestic market also. And if that's someone we've already scouted, then that makes things a lot easier. You know, we'd, we'd have already worked out a lot of the transfer previously and it wouldn't take much. And if you wanted to get one in fairly early, that, that is one that you could probably do quickly. So. I like that. And he may be a little cheaper than Philippe um, as well. Danny, you are world-renowned for your USA men's national team spreadsheet Kind of give us an update on who improved their stock based on that and who would look good in a Wolves kit, even though it's most likely not to happen 
because as I said earlier, Wolves are more concerned about staying up than marketing at this point, which is 100% the right decision. Or yeah. I'd, ex- I'd extend that to say Ooh. in four years' time, when it is in this country, who could be the possibilities then that it's a, it's a signing within the next 12 to 18 months that when you're talking about that next uh, next evolution of the US men's national team for the tournament here in four years' time, who could be in a Wolves journey representing then? That's a great addition to the question from the biggest U.S. men's national team fan that I know, Mr. Paula Page. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we're talking about this past World Cup, you know, you know, if you're asking me, the, the list begins and ends with Yunus Musa. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've said on Twitter and elsewhere, I think he may have played himself out of our ability to capture him. Um he was already well known to a bunch of big clubs. I think he was at the Arsenal Academy as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he's well known amongst teams that can easily take him away from us. Uh, and I think it really didn't help that he really stood out at the World Cup. He is a very good player. Um, yeah, you know it always hurt me that we couldn't uh, couldn't do a double deal getting him and Gonzalo Guedes. And certainly through the first bit of the season, I think. <laughs> a lot of us would have felt like maybe Yudis Musa would have been better. For the same price, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, and uh, maybe a bit cheaper. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is that Yunus Musa is still young. That kid's only, he's 20 years old. And uh, and it's just that that would have worked out so well with, with Wolves sort of MO in terms of buying players. I mean, that's that's sort of why I always harped on about it. So this is the little Yunus Musa corner, is that it's not only that he's a really good player, he also fits into not only what we needed, um, a, a midfielder who can get the ball, can carry the ball. Um, and he's young, so he can learn his trade, and then we can sell him off to go back to Arsenal or wherever. Um I'd extend that though, and and don't sleep on the fact that there's there's two connections now as well that you've got the Valencia and Mendes yeah, carousel absolutely. kind of, and Lopetegui's got to know him better as well from being play uh, playing the Spanish league. So yeah, I think uh, if if there is any interest, then I think they're going to know know enough about him if we do have that different absolutely. structure of a transfer committee now. Yeah, you know, I think the tricky you know, thing with getting a U.S. men's team player to Wolves, especially from this last cycle, is that so many of the really good players are forward players, and especially wingers. And it's a place where recently, at least, we've just had a bunch of players. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. we couldn't improve or wouldn't like to have a young young player who can get better and, and be sold on. But it's just like it's not a, an area that we're constantly looking for. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Richards, if we could get him from Crystal Palace, but once they're already at the Premier League, it's it's just not likely that Wolves are going to go into that. So, Just think we could have had Enzo Fernandez and Yunus Musa for probably oh less than we paid for Matthias. Why, why are you doing this to me, Josh? <laughs> because I've been thinking about it for the last month. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, the perfect time to do it was before the World Cup, before everybody in the literal world 
saw <laughs> Yunus Musa for what he was, you know, which is a baller. Uh, but Paul's right. We got to start looking to the next World Cup. And that means if you want to get a U.S. player into Wolves uh, to expand the brand and also to to grow the team and to sell on for a profit, that might have to happen in 18 months. You know, mm. do we need to go out and get Pax and Aronson at some point? Maybe. Yeah. Paul, what were you going to say? What always stands out to me with the U.S. men's national team and, and just the hype that goes with it is it's always trying to create a, a figurehead or a superstar. Mm-hmm. And to to do that with the, the general public here, you've, you've got to have that goal scorer. You've got to have that number nine. Like You can put all the marketing effort in the world behind Polisnik, but he's not that out-and-out striker that's going to pr- propel you to, to go in far in these tournaments and maybe even challenge for a a golden boot if you hit a retrain of form in, in the group stages. So that's the avenue I'd like to be looking along in, in terms of a uh, a player from, from the next reincarnation of the squad. Who that is, I don't know. Um, how'd, Paul, how would you feel about Daryl DK from that's exactly, West Brom? <laughs> exactly who I was going to mention. Pepe. Yeah, so... <laughs> DK is a big one. Is that in that he is is he going to be that player that that can kick on? I, I think at the moment, if he was, if he was going to be the guy, he'd probably be playing. And no, I hate him. No disrespect to West Brom, but he'd probably be playing at a a higher level than he is at the moment. So I don't think it's him. But you'd have to be in for him if it, if he does go on that. If he starts to progress and look like he's going to kick on in his career and the the big guns start circling you'd have to be uh in and around those types of players the thing pepe is he's still young yeah i think pepe is still the guy i'd like but um you know you bring up goal scoring that the u.s is always looking for a star it's because this is just a nation that lives off of its stars I mean, yeah. yeah, teams are important, but stars are way more marketable than teams. And so that's why they look at that. And honestly, the best athletes that could be center backs in great target number nines for the U.S. men's national team, they play tight end and power forward in the, you know, football in the NBA. Forget, um, we're getting into a whole cultural thing here. But yeah. <laughs> I, but I do love it because, I mean, it's, you know, but the other reason is that for especially fans of the U.S. men's team, not not club football in mm-hmm. either the U.S. or Europe, you know, they are by nature a bit more casual. And yeah, it is very hard for a casual fan who tunes in, you know, once every couple of years or once every four years or in the case of these last couple cycles, once every eight, eight years yeah. um, to get attached to someone because they are a strong and workmanlike center back you know you're going to get attached to a center forward who can score goals and paul's right we we haven't really had one of those in a while yeah or a tim Weya. what's tim uh, Weya's contract over in lil what's tim Weya's contract at lil spreadsheet um june 24 okay what's his so market value right now the last, I love that we're. I'm getting to live reference my U.S. men's <laughs> to, players to wolves spreadsheet on 
on the recording. Um, so the the uh, market value that they last listed when I last looked, which was pre World Cup, uh, was ten million pounds, almost eleven million. Um, now he'll be in the summer. He'll be you know a year away from the end of his contract. But he did have a good World Cup, so I think you go a little bit more than that. Yeah, it looks like 12 million euros right now, according to Transfer Market. Man, I would love to have him on the squad instead of uh, Podence. Yeah. Podence. Yeah, Mr. Uh, There's a gunman on the grassy knoll every game. Podence. (laughs) Well, guys... I think we can all agree that January is going to be pretty crazy, which is funny because with how many moves they made um, in the summer transfer window there at the end, we didn't think January was going to be anything. And now all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, potentially six players. Like, that's crazy. Paul? <laughs> just just in general, I think we've always been go going back to – at Nuno's tenure, the, the work was always done in the summer and there was potentially one in January and, and that was it. So very stable. You'd always get the mm-hmm. the talk or the PR around, well, there's always a premium signing place in January. The costs inflated, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people don't want to sell if they're going to be, be short and everything. But beggars can't be choosers, so... It showed what Newcastle did last season in that they had to do something and it certainly paid off for them, even to the extent that they were able to make a, make signings that helped them in the short term and have helped them into this season as well. So you would hope it, the strategy would be along those lines. Yeah, it's desperate times come for de- desperate situations. And as Danny pointed out earlier, it's a lot cheaper to buy some players than it is to get relegated. Um, especially with the payroll they have now. If they got relegated, they'd have to sell off a bunch of these guys. And just, I mean, uh, it would, it'll be a nightmare. So hopefully that is not the case. I don't want to be trying to track down championship uh, league games during the week. Well, guys, let's talk about some actual games uh, due to the holidays. You know, this is... Uh, our only podcast for a couple weeks. So we're going to just very quickly go over four games here. Paul, we have to be excited for the fact that the first game with Lopetegui in charge is against Gillingham in the EFL Cup. And we can watch live on ESPN Plus tomorrow. That's right. That's right. Access to to that on on these shores if you're... uh working from home and having strategic meetings placed on your calendar. Well, I had to move a meeting when I saw the time was, <laughs> and when it was, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Or watching <laughs> in your cubicle in the office with the, daddy's got his spreadsheet on, on one screen <laughs> and it's the game showing on the other. So yeah. And, 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 and who'd have thought that you'd be excited to, uh, to, to watch that type of game. But I am, it's, it's the thirst of no club football for so long. And then, the start of a new era and then even more so it's a, a genuine chance to to contend for a trophy if we get uh through these guys tomorrow so definitely uh to bring it on looking forward to it well and then there's three league games after that wolves have everton man united everton on boxing day man united on the 31st 
early in the morning for us. And then Villa is on January 4th at 2 o'clock. Which of those three games are you most looking forward to, Danny? Honestly, I think, I mean, obviously the the Everton game, just to see us stack up against a a Premier League opponent. But of the three, I'm actually really excited for the for the uh, game against, man, they're actually, they're all good now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> um, um, I was going to say Man United just because I think we've played well against them in the past. We're at home. Um, that could be an interesting one to play against, you know, a team that's doing reasonably well, more or less. Uh, but then I, I remembered that Aston Villa recently appointed Unai Emery. And honestly, that's going to be a real interesting one as well. A way to mm-hmm. Aston Villa... Uh, Lopetegui and Unai Emery going at it. That that's gonna be very interesting. All three of those games are really exciting. Paul, what's the one you're looking forward to the most? Nervously, uh, but excited at the same time. It's the first one against Everton, and again, just having that opportunity to see him again. But I think it's gonna place a a market in the ground of how this team's gonna perform with the new manager that we're away from home and it, it, it's getting close to those types of games that you've got to get something from. So if he's able to to show up there, perform well and come away with three points, I think that can be a real springboard for the, the rest of the Christmas period for sure. Paul, what do you think Wolves fans mentality would be like if on Boxing Day they get three points from Everton and then jump up from dead last up to one point below safety. Do you think that changes just the mentality of the whole fan base or is there still that Danny pessimism? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to tell. And I think we often, we, we go off the social media vibes more than anything, but, I do think the momentum started to turn in that there's been some more substantial changes in terms of that infrastructure. So I think that with with the new managerial team, with those senior backroom changes, add a couple of wins in. If, if you added a couple of wins in there before before January, a passage through in in the League Cup into the next round two signings within that first week in January, I think the enthusiasm would be pretty high across the fan base. And see, that's the thing. Even though how horrible the year has been, minus 16 goal differential, I mean, eight goals in 15 matches, it's been dismal. Wolves are still only four points behind safety. So season's not over. Obviously, we're not going to get Europe. We don't even need to be thinking about that. We just need to be shooting for, you know, 17th on there. Danny, what? who do you think is going to be the player that's key for Wolves over these next four games? I was hoping that it was going to be Bubakar Traore, but then there's news today that he's injured. <laughs> so got a quick change because my of answer course. on that one. Yeah. yeah, because of course, because we can't have nice things, obviously. <laughs> Um, but I do think that maybe this is just because there's a lot of room to grow there. I think that Gonzalo Guedes is one that 
Mm. We've all been a bit disappointed in uh, in the first part of the the season, and uh, we know that he can do better. Like we've we've all seen him play better um, before he made his move to Wolves. I think that um, I think he could be a person who's much improved and is playing in a position that could actually help us a lot. I mean, like um, you know, we've we've got to be tighter at the back, but if if he can be putting in goals semi-occasionally instead of basically never <laughs> um <laughs> you know that could uh that could not you know not just help us with results but turn the mood around a lot in terms of okay here's someone we brought in is actually doing well <laughs> paul who who's your player to watch it's gonna be one of one out of two for me i think it it's gonna need a central defender currently on the books to to step up and help solidify that back line especially if he sticks with four at the back so is that Kilman? is it collins i think one of them drops out based on someone more senior coming in um and i've got a i, I, I don't know i've got a feeling that Potentially Kilman's plateaued in that we we're just finding out now that he's hit his level. Hmm. And I think there's there's a bigger potential, there's a bigger upside from from Collins that potentially that. that they'd be more willing to invest in in the long term to to give him the game time versus Kilman uh, at 25. Is he is he genuinely gonna kick on and and, and and hit those heights that we need from that key important position. So uh if I'm having my arm twisted, I'm going I'm going for for Collins and we'll really see him come to the fore playing alongside a, a dominant centre back partner who can who can bring him along and and be that that senior figure that that he needs. I obviously like that since I said Collins was going to be the best of the signings. Over the summer, I still stand by that too. Although I do think Bubakar Traore has a big chance as well. All right, guys, let's uh, get to some predictions here. Uh, Alex in our guest spot have our still tops with fifteen points. I have thirteen points. Paul, you're at six points. And to really put that in perspective, is this is Danny's third show. And uh, he has three <laughs> points. So, <laughs> so you are right. playing a performance like I did last year, which was um, not good, Bob. Not good. But if it's so, the second half of the season turnaround like the Wolves were anticipating, then I could I could end up winning the whole thing. So that's right. See. That's right. Hey, you never know. All right, let's start with the Gillingham Gills. Danny, I'm going to let you start here. What's your prediction? I think, although he's going to play probably a pretty strong team, I think there's it's not going to be 100% full strength. Um, and I think we're still going to be working things out. So I I still feel optimistic we can we should get through without a problem. Gillingham have been very terrible. They're, I think, bottom of League 2. They've scored fewer goals than us, which is impressive. Shocking. Most yeah. impressive. Um, yeah, so I, I'd go 
two nil wolves. I think that I think we can keep it tight at the back and it, it might not look great, but we'll get through. Paul. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take and like somewhat of a, a new era in that it won't be the, the potential banana skin that we've often faced with these types of clashes. Uh, the new era will bring a relative level of comfort to, to that game and we'll win 2 0. I could, well, no, because I was going to say I could see Wolves letting one get by, but Jillian, they are, they're awful. Let's go 3-0. I got to be a little different than you guys, right? 3-0. God, I never predict Wolves to score more than a goal either. I can't That's wait painful. to see it. <laughs> Things you like to see. Now we get to the good stuff, Danny. At Everton. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what to think about this game. Um I mean, obviously, he's going to go as strong as he can. There's no reason not to. They'll have had almost an entire week from the Gilliam game, which is why I think he'll go strong there. Um, I think I want to believe that we will win our first league game uh, with Lopetegui, but I think if I'm trying to get my prediction right, I'm going to go 1-1 and just assume that uh, we'll we'll feel a little bit indifferent after after that first game, even if things are starting to turn themselves around, however slowly. Paul? I'm going balls to the wall revolution under Lopetegui. And it's a, it's a two nil away win. And Let's go. It, it drags. I think Everton could get dragged into it. So I think it's one of those games that at the end of the season, uh, regardless, it'll be one that we'll look at in that it, mm-hmm. it would have been an important result for one of these teams and hopefully it'll be also two nil away win one thing to consider with this game because he is out on loan connor cody will not play in this game i think that plays a big part for everton and i am going to say two one wolves see I, i didn't expect you to be the debbie downer tonight danny (laughs) <laughs> one one draw it's that's been a not long too bad. season it, is, it has it has all right <laughs> really taking on the mantle of the u.s wolves podcast here <laughs> all right danny um yeah all right i think this is where my uh my uneducated optimism is going to come in you guys have said that we're going to start out strong. I've said that we're going to start out a bit indifferent. I think that with Wolves at home on New Year's Eve, we like to play against Man United, and we like a 1-0 scoreline against them. I'm going to say 1-0 Wolves. Ooh, ooh. Burn the place down. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Paul? There's an element of me that says we do a result. We do three points against them at home. I don't think we've we've beat them at home in the EPL since we've been back up. The only negative for me in terms of fully going for that is it's the dreaded early Saturday morning kickoff, regardless yeah. of it being New Year's Eve. Correct. I, I, 
that's got a break until I can predict us winning. So until that happens, I, I, I'm keeping the positivity, but I'm going for a one-all draw. One-all draw. I would take yeah. it. Yeah. Holly, it's at home. See, I'd probably lean towards 2-1 Man United, but because it is at home, even though they haven't played well at home. Do I let... I got I got to choose between my head or my heart here. You know what? It's just, I've got such a big lead on Paul. I'm going to say one one draw. <laughs> really playing it safe here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then to finish it at out at Villa. Yeah, I think this one's going to be tricky. Um, I think it's partly because I uh, I rate. Unai Emery a decent amount. I don't think that um, Villa's team are, uh, you know, particularly amazing. I think they have several decent players, but that's that's about it. Uh, but I think I I like Unai Emery. I think he was a good signing for them. I think their problems are more about how they're going to pay for all the stuff they're doing now, two years from now. Uh, but anyway. I don't know. I, I worry a bit about this one. I hope we can get a draw away, and I would go nil-nil on that one. I hope. <laughs> okay. Paul? I'm leaning towards a draw based on the fact that these local derbies often cough up something like that anyway. Um, I think both teams could be somewhat cautious in that there'll be that atmosphere against a, a local rival, like a, a weirdish kind of midweek uh, kickoff that that doesn't necessarily um, align with it, like that major atmosphere that you get if it was on the weekend somewhat. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it would be a, a game that you'd, you'd go there and, and be happy coming away with the point. So I'm going to go one, one each. You know, the January window will have already opened up. Matthias Cunha will not start, but he will come in in the 75th minute. And in the 88th minute, he will score the only goal of the game for Wolves to win 1-0. I love and immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I love these predictions, Josh. Is is Zhao Felix starting that game? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. Where Weston McKinney with the assist, by the way. <laughs> uh, Paul, do we have any no stupid questions? I don't think there wasn't. Do it was a uh, it was a jam packed show catching up, but we will open the mailbox after all the Christmas cards have been delivered. So for no stupid questions into the new year, you can send them through our usual channels, which are on Twitter at WLWpod, to our Facebook, and also by email, if you wish, that is hello at wholelotofwalls.com. I do have one no stupid question, and we got to go back to Boxing Day, and I want to see if Danny has the same thought I do. When you immediately hear Boxing Day, do you think boxes or fighting boxing because whenever i've heard boxing day i just think oh is that when all the english people go out in the street and like beat the snot out of each other danny 
I'll tell you, as an American, that is 100% what I thought when I was a kid, because that was the only <laughs> meaning for the word boxing to me. Also, because I, I'm a com compulsive, uh, I have a compulsion of looking things up. As soon as you asked this question, I immediately Googled boxing down. I'll tell you the very first image result is weirdly just an image of a Santa... On, like Santa robe wearing <laughs> arm with a boxing glove on it. So even Google is confused. I will say that. <laughs> do, uh, do you need the story? I forgot to go. Yeah, let's hear you. the story. Let's hear the story. So, as I understand it, you're going back to Downton Abbey era of the landed elites and the household staff so the household staff would serve the family on christmas day and then the next day would be a big hunting day for the family so the the household staff staff had pat the pat the family off and that turned into their really christmas celebration in that it was a day off for the the works in the house and to that extent the family would give the workers a box for Christmas, which was money, whatever, hence the term Boxing Day. And that's when all of the working class were able to be uh, go and enjoy leisure times. So that's why football, rugby, horse racing, all the traditional working class sports had a big programme on Boxing Day, just because they could maximize attendance by all of the domestic workers going along. So basically, all the rich English people gave a few bucks to their borderline slaves who could then go and in a, afford in, to go a, to a soccer game. In, Sounds in awesome. A box. Yeah. In a box. In a, in in a, a box. box. <laughs> Josh, Josh, this is America. We shouldn't be casting aspersions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to kill Danny uh... tonight just from his <laughs> looks of horror multiple times. Yeah, I just I always thought when growing up, I'd hear Boxing Day and I was like, Boxing Day. OK. And it wasn't even until like probably a year or two ago. I was like, oh, boxes, boxes, not not boxing. OK, <laughs> so that's an interesting story. Paul, did you ever get a Boxing Day gift? No, because you just because you, you were part the, of the uh, elite. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sat on my ass eating the eating the candy from the previous day, so I was I was well set. I was I was fine. Danny, best Christmas gift you've ever gotten? Oh, that's tough. I I mean, you can't beat getting a Game Boy in like. It would have been mid '90s, you know, mm -hmm. a Game Boy and and Zelda, OG Game Boy. Obviously, you play in the yeah, back black seat, and white, but, of course. Yeah, you play in the back seat, but you 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 know time everything so that you only do things in the game when the streetlight is going past because it's not a lighted screen. So you just you can only play every time a streetlight goes past <laughs> the back seat. That that was probably the best one. Uh, Paul, favorite Christmas gift. Uh, my brother, one Christmas, I was mid-teens. Mid he bought me my first PlayStation, and that introduced mm. me to Pro Evolution Soccer, which 
was actually for a time in England more popular than FIFA was. So that was a big deal to have a PlayStation and play Pro Evo. So good, good competition with my circle of friends at that point. And we'd we'd go around each other's houses and play Pro Evo. That's very timely, Paul. My my uh my OG PlayStation was a birthday present and one of my early games was uh World Cup ninety eight. Ooh. Yeah, which right, I, right uh, about those times, yeah. Which I, I do believe had a uh, Tub Thumper from uh, Chumbawamba as the theme song to it. You know, you bring up Game Boy. I was thinking about it today. I had a World Cup game. I guess it was the 94 World Cup game on the Game Boy. And I'm going to have to try and pull out. My Game Boy only half works now, the screen. But I should still see enough to just confirm what I remember in that it may have been one of the most racist games ever because the Brazilians and Argentinians were portrayed as like looking like monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) It was really bad. Like looking, I was thinking about it today and I was like, you know, I'm just remembering that game and that was horrible. Like I can't imagine. So I'm going to have to pull it out just to, just to make sure. I'm remembering correctly, but I think I am where it was like super racial stereotypes for all of the people. I, if I remember correctly, like, you know, some of the countries had like huge noses and stuff, but it was a different and much worse time, <laughs> much worse, much worse time. I do feel like an elite, though, because, Danny, I got a little light that I was able to clip onto my Game Boy to shine. So I, I didn't think have I got to worry the about light a few years later. There were definitely some years there where it was a daytime only activity. See, kids today, and I'm sorry, this has completely jumped off the rails. (laughs) Kids today don't understand when you had the Game Boy with the magnifying glass that went on top, and then you had the um, light that was attached to the side, and then the portable battery so you weren't eating through your your four AA batteries in eight hours. And I mean, the thing was like, just giant by the time you were done with it we were all destroying our eyes while our more popular friends were out at concerts destroying their ears (laughs) (laughs) uh guys it's been fun season's back let's hope uh the season turns out as fun as tonight indeed cheers to that we will indeed be back after those games into the new year, so new era, new signings, hopefully. Wishing everyone out there very Merry Christmas, happy holidays. We will see you in the new year and throughout this period. Up the mighty walls. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.